You are listening to Historically, a show where we decolonize history and debunk myths and misinformation taught to you in school and on corporate media. I'm your host, Esha. Today we have Mr. Pramud Kapoor here to talk to us about the last war of independence that India had with Britain. You've recently written a book called The Last War of Indian Independence. And early on in your book, you actually go through how you came through, like found the information because it's not known. I am Indian and I didn't grow up completely in India, but I spent a lot of time in India and I had no idea about this. Yes, a lot of people who... who who spent a lifetime in India don't know about this because it was almost edited out of the formal history of the freedom movement. It was, of course, uh, discussed and and, uh, references uh, were available with the scholars. But in popular history, this uh, this merely became a footnote and there was no you know, proper description of the so-called mutiny, which uh, hastened the India's independence, as per my thesis. Yeah, at the end of your prologue, you say, yet the seminal event which inspired song, art, and theater has been edited out of the popular narratives of the freedom movement. One example you gave is from a 1965 play in Bengal. You quickly Talk about that to show how it's been edited out in some ways very blatantly. Well, you know, the, it's, it's first for the seven days or for five days that it lasted, it was covered by every newspaper in India and overseas. Even New York Times gave it the front page. The, the British papers, of course, had, you know, uh, banner headlines. It was uh, in those five days, it was. Uh, you know, it was a very huge event filled in the city of Bombay in, in just three days. It was a, it was a, it was a very, very, very major uh, episode in the in the freedom movement. But subsequently, you know, in in, in uh, whenever there was a chance to resurrect the memory, or it was never encouraged, and uh, and and the references were erased out of the hist- out of history in 1965 a very well known leftist director called utpal dat decided to to stage a play on based on this on the mutiny the play was not allowed in calcutta to run though uh, the you know the ruling party sent their volunteers or goons you can call them <laughs> and and they uh, they uh, were uh, not allowing the the people to go through to the go inside the the theater, but they, it was it became very popular because it was a very powerful th- play, and uh, it ran for good uh, some eight hundred and fifty shows at uh, wow. at a go. But in the uh, in Dubai, I think it was the middle of sixty six. A year later, the uh, director was arrested on charge of anti Indian and so on. So it was. It was not really crushed in uh, legally, but it was. All kinds of hurdles were put, and it was not allowed to go. So the subsequent uh, government did not want this to come out because they would have come out of the whole thing as not very good light, because they 
for once the uh, the British, the Muslim League, and the Congress were on the same side, negotiating or or threatening the, the mutineers or, or 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 the sailors who had mutinied. So it was a uh, uh, it was not a very good example that they they set, and that is why they didn't want the uh, this to come out. Let's talk about the sailors. It was during World War II and a little before, and the British were recruiting very poor people. Sometimes I looked at the picture uh, in your book. One of them doesn't even, like, they said 15, but they don't even look 13. And they had lavish promises. And so what did they promise? And also, like, can you talk a little bit about how much racism they felt on board in the ships? Well, you see, um, uh, I see the, I, as I've written in the book, I think the, the seeds of the mutiny were sowed on the day they were these young ratings, uh, as they were called, the sailors at the time, non-commissioned sailors were called ratings. So I'm going to use that word mm-hmm. more often. Now, they were promised, uh, they, you know, there were advertisements put out uh, luring the, the, not just them, but directed towards their parents saying that if you put your child in, in or your son in, in, in the service, he in, within two years he'll be made the officer and the life will be made, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And just uh, days after the, these people joined the service and went to the, the barracks, they, they were so disappointed with the kind of living condition, the kind of food, the kind of racial discrimination that existed at the time. And so they, they were simmering inside anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, racial discrimination, there are lots of examples in the, I mean, the, the non-white, and the, there was a lot of, uh, you know, the, the way the people were treated by the whites and the non-whites, uh, same sort of rank or, 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 or ratings were, if he was a, a white soldier, he was, given, he was treated differently. And if he was a non-white, he would be t- treated differently. He would be asked to do all many and all kinds of, wiping the floor and so on and, and it was very they, they, some of them came from good families they were not just uh, poor but uh, they, you know they they came from good background where they had their, their own help and and what uh, what they were called the servants at the time they, who would do these jobs for them and if they, in the services they were made to be to do this job for the for the white soldiers one yeah. episode that really you highlighted that helped because you talk about how this mutiny went across caste lines and religious lines and it had to do with the the bowl in that all the indian soldiers i mean all the indian ratings in one ship apparently they would just put a big bowl and lop on some rice and some other crap and they all had to share the same bowl regardless of their caste and doing that it kind of helped build national solidarity and kind of get rid of their previous caste-based prejudices? <laughs> it was not just the caste and the creed, but it was also the religious, uh, you know, Hindu, Muslim, and, Sikh yeah. and the Christians. You see, they, they were all made to sit around a, a large wooden vessel where mm-hmm. what we call dal was put and they were given bread. And they would break bread with, next to them would be a Muslim, uh, next to Muslim would be a Hindu and, and, and so on. You know? So there was no, no religious discrimination among themselves. 
they didn't feel that there was a uh, that this was a higher caste or a lower caste or he was a richer man or a poor man they they all felt brothers and that that is how uh, the, the in the services the barrier of caste creed or religion were broken you know and uh, this is what the politicians of the time should have cast on and perhaps the partition would have been uh, much less bloody than what it what eventually it became Um, yeah, you, you wrote that. Um, you said, I strongly believe that the partition would have been less bloody if the political leaders had tried to build upon communal unity created by the events of February 1946 instead of ignoring it. Um, yes. One character, he's a little bit controversial, but he is a big fact and I didn't know it. It's Subhas Chandra Bose. Or is it Subhas yes. Chandra Bose? Yes. How do you pronounce well, it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, Subhash Chandra Bose was a hero at the time, you know. Oh, I just wanted to make a quick note about who's for our audience who may not be familiar. He was a freedom fighter, but he believed in a different way than Gandhi. He wanted to raise all the Indian armies around the world and raise them and then bring them to fight the British. So he had a different uh, I guess strategy and he was mysteriously killed in a plane crash and we still don't know who or do we No we well it's it's now accepted that he was killed in a plane crash um but it was you know there are still debates going on but I, I think it was uh, conclusively you know there were enough evidence to suggest that it was indeed a crash okay. and that he perished Uh, but there are still two sides of the story of the people there are people who is followers who don't believe that he was killed in the crash but that's another story altogether okay um, so what was yes. the effect yes. that he had upon these soldiers because you said that his ghost transformed the soldiers from being just mercenaries to flag waving patriots singing jai hind yes there were two, two different sides of of the freedom movement gandhi believed in non violence and subhash chandra bose uh, who created indian national army or azad hind fauj as it was called in in urdu uh, they, they they were uh, getting restless there there was a side that that was getting restless with gandhi's non violence that they thought this was not yielding any any result and uh, there was a large section of the population in india uh, that uh, subhash chandra bose's tactics are the strategies are better suited because i think it was much more you know it's always is romantic to be uh, to um, to talk about violence than non violence and they the sailors or ratings as i as they were called were were greatly influenced by subhash chandra bose Uh, for two reasons one that they were they were uh, rebels and they had they the, the army was made of deserters uh, the ina the indian national army was made of deserters and those who had left uh, or 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 prisoner of war uh, who were let out by the british so they were in india getting more popular and had caught the fancy of the indians at the time uh many many people in india in india believed in, in what they were doing and uh, when it came to the sailors they they were often ridiculed by uh, by the by the society saying that look at uh, subhash chandra bose who was called neta ji he said look at neta ji his army 
is fighting against the same people from whom you take salaries and 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 and, and uh, be there and be, you are subservient to them so this was uh, this was all all this was was growing up inside these uh, these ratings and that was the difference between gandhi and and subhash chandra bose yeah um i mean so my grandfather and my uncles who are old enough to remember the partition they have always had a very bad opinion of gandhi but they've never really clearly explained why and i understand after reading your book where he actually comes out and denounces these ratings so he has almost a fanatical adherence to nonviolence in some way yes yes he would he would uh, come what may he would not compromise with uh, nonviolence it and this was uh, something that won a lot of credit to the country and to the to the freedom fighters but there was a large section which which believed which was getting impatient with this nonviolent and uh, violence and believed that this will lead us nowhere gandhi believed in dialogue and these people believed in snatching the, the freedom from uh, from british and so yes there was a clear difference between the two sides um you quote one british imperialist historian he said the british had not feared gandhi the reducer of violence they no longer feared nehru who was rapidly assuming the lineaments of the statesmanship but the ghost mm-hmm. of subhas bose like hamlet's father walked the battle of meant of the red ford and his suddenly amplified figure over on the conferences that were to lead to independence so the british had actually feared this mutiny um can we talk a little tell bit about the mutiny so how how did it start and what did they threaten well as i said it's it's uh, you know it started i think on the day that when they were recruited giving false promises that was 1939 40 and and then uh, this was all uh, building up inside you know the the bad food the unpalatable food the uh, uh, the bad treatment unfulfilled promises and then after the uh, the war ended the world war 2 ended they were being demobilized at a very rapid pace and and this angered them for much more and they were being demobilized very poorly you know uh, their 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 dues were docked their their if they were taught uh, uniforms they would be you know they would be deducted from their dues etc so it was a very third rate kind of demobilization that was taking place now coupled with that you know we had in 1942 gandhi had uh, given a call for quit india movement you know which with uh, on, on 8th of august uh, the the congress party gave this call at the behest of mahatma gandhi but that very day all the top leaders were were arrested uh, it was the there were some younger uh, uh, leaders who were more aggressive uh, who went underground among them was aruna asafali who who actually went underground and uh, started a, a, a rebellion uh, rebellious radio for the congress party and doing all kinds of underground activities now when then in 1945 these people were let out uh, and, and you know she still was underground 
our properties were confiscated. There was a large amount of, you know, thing on our head um, that if, if whoever, you know, gets arrested will get that reward, etc. Now, when she came out, at the, Gandhi gave a call and told her to come out. She and say, serve the nation rather than, than being, under, being underground. When she came out, she got in touch with these sailors who were angry because of the various things I just mentioned. And together, they, they, you know, she, she supported them and she, uh, in fact, encouraged them to revolt. And that is how the revolt built up. Then uh, in, in early December 1945, a uh, uh, couple of ratings who were very brave and young, they, uh, they wrote seditious, so-called seditious slogans on the walls of a shore establishment called Talwar. And this was on the, on the day when the Navy had opened their, their shore establishment and other ships for, uh, for the, uh, the people of Bombay to come. They were invited to see the pomp and show and, and it was like a, like a big affair. And, but once, once they were, they came in, they saw all these slogans painted on the walls <laughs> and this, this embarrassed the, the Britishers no end. And this was followed a month later again with the tire of the uh, of the commanding officer. Uh, tire of the uh, uh, car of the commanding officer was deflated, and all kinds of seditious slogans were painted on his car. And when he 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 couldn't control himself, he came to the barrack on a, a week before the mutiny happened, and and saw that all these young ratings were lying, smoking cigarette, but didn't even. Uh, you know, get up or or or, or give, give him any respect. He shouted some, uh, you know, like sons of pulleys and sons of bees and so on. And <laughs> that uh, actually triggered. That was the immediate trigger for people for at least twenty of these uh, ratings to go on strike or a hunger strike. And that that began. That's how the the mutiny began. And since this, these people, twenty the odd people, belong to. The signal school, within no time, it was all over the all over all establishments in India and nearby, from Bahrain to Indonesia. It was the the, the news flash that uh, HMIS Talwar, which was the signal school, has gone on on has mutinied, and in support because everyone was ready for mutiny. Everyone, all, all the ships, most of the ships around Bombay Harbour and beyond. When when a mutiny, and that is how the mutiny began. Look, I'm not saying a rebellion on supply ships that have barely been in port long enough to turn over crew is inevitable, but it's definitely something with precedence. And I think we're well past nonviolence here. And so, the question is, what podcast will you want on in the background as you keelhaul your commanders? By the way, Google keel hauling, it's good stuff. If you're not subscribed to our Substack, we kindly invite you to support your comrades at Historically by going to historically.substack.com and subscribe today. Also, check us out on YouTube and Twitch with Late Nights with Lennon. Get commentary and trolling from 100 years ago by the absolute master of the forum and see how little has changed. It is what is to be done. So 60 ships together were now in solidarity and were striking. That's right. And you also show... 78 ships, actually. 
I think 78 ships and 20 odd uh, shore establishment, if I remember right. I don't have the figures, but that's what I, I think there were 78 ships and 20,000 uh, 20, sailors yes. within 48 hours were on strike. Hold on. Um, and there's also a screenshot from the evening news you have put it, where it says they have seized the armory in the Bombay barracks. So they're now armed. And you also talk about how the Communist Party is really excited and really rally behind these yes. ratings. But then what happened? Like, why didn't, the, why didn't the flame, why didn't they add more? It seems like the Quit India movement should have sparked the flames as opposed to douse it with water. Well, you see, uh, 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 let me first talk about the role of Communist Party. You know, a Communist Party felt left out of the freedom movement because they, the freedom movement was was, lately, uh, was really led and handled by a Muslim League on, on the Muslim side and the Congress Party for, let's say, uh, more secular Indians. Mm-hmm. And the- oh, I just want to make a quick comment. Um, RSS was actually supporting the British during this time. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, I mean, there is... They were they were not that significant at the time. I know, no, but yeah. Sarvatkar was actually okay. I just wanted to make that comment, but go, go on. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes, there is evidence to say that they were they were apologetic to to British. Exactly, but I think they had very little role to play in yeah. when it came to the this mutiny, and so uh, this was a great uh, the great opportunity for the communists to jump into the freedom movement, and they instigated not only the uh, the sailors but also the mill workers the students the transport workers and and some uh, and within no time almost uh, you know uh, 300 to 500000 people were on the street protesting against how britishers were treating these these uh, ratings so yes and when 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 something like half a million people come on the street there are bound to be uh, you know, uh, you know, people who who are miscreants and you know who 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 do looting and arson and so on. So that happened, and that the British then incessantly fired uh, at least fifty times in 50 or some fifty places, and within within three. Oh days, my! So it so they were okay. So so they were. It's kind of like a little bit like the Amritsar massacre, where they were just indiscriminately firing in the crowds. Well, it was more or less the same kind. It was they were unarmed. Those those people were 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 not really armed mob. You know, they they may have looted some some. Uh, I mean, come on, shops. who loots more than the British? I mean, they took that word <laughs> from us. <laughs> That's right. That's okay, right. to talk about looting when the British are around, it's just like, uh, come on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, so that you know, it it was they they thought they could crush the mutiny with the with the brute force. They uh, the the uh, the admiral in charge of of India, the uh, what what who was called Fokrin, the uh, field officer commanding of the uh, Royal Indian Navy. He he ordered one of the biggest warship of the British Navy to to sail rapidly from Trincomalee, which is in in Ceylon and uh-huh. Sri Lanka. To, All the way to Bombay. Uh, they, they, yes, they 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 they, they flew the uh, uh, air force planes. Uh, they made sorties or uh, low sorties uh, on the harbor, 
So they are literally threatening these these young ratings. But the young ratings had taken control of the ships and their um uh, and the guns of the ships. They also pointed out the, these guns towards the shore, uh, towards the yacht club, the gateway <laughs> of India, and the and the dockyard, and said that if we are harmed, we will blow these uh, these uh, these buildings. So it was really eyeball to eyeball kind of situation. It was mercifully averted. It never happened. But yes, it was the, one of the it was most tense moment during the uh, during the mutiny. Yes. So and then and then uh, oh, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, you also after the mutiny, you also talk about the trial where the British put a Hindu, Muslim, and a Sikh together in trial, which also kind of helped with more feelings yes. of unity. That's that's right. That was the these were these were um, the INA officers who were captured, and they were put on a public trial and. Uh, one of them was uh, a muslim shahnawaz khan prem sagal uh, who was a hindu and and dilo who was a sikh they were they were put on trial simultaneously at the same time in a public trial now that infuriated not just these ratings but also public at uh, at large you know so uh, this was a some uh, a very uh, tactically uh, a silly mistake that the that the british had done and that did help to fire up these ratings okay so it seems like congress at least and the muslim league were trying to make play peacemaker so they were also negotiating with the british um can you talk a little bit about the negotiations yes you see uh, at the time the congress and the and the muslim league were talking about terms of transfer of power and mm-hmm. they uh, they didn't want they knew that the that the independence was imminent and that uh, they didn't want to uh, so to say rock the boat you know so at the time they were they were there was political ambition people were also privately distributing cabinet post among themselves you know mm. and 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 so they they you know they did want or that was number one reason that they didn't want the negotiation to uh, to to fail and number two you know they have been they had been on this on the on the street they have been in the movement they have been uh, you know for 30 40 50 years the congress has had been in all sorts of movement to to get, uh, to get freedom from british britishers for them it was too much to expect that they would allow these these young soldiers to to hijack that move that ah. uh, that credit that that would have well, obviously come to them the amount of times the british have gone back on their word and so on how did they know that independence was imminent how could they trust this well at that time there were discussions about uh, uh, about modalities of of what kind of freedom freedom uh, would they would be granted whether it will be like the dominion status or would it be a complete freedom so there were there were there were indications i'm sure they were talking about the kind of uh, the more the modus operandi so so to say so uh, they knew they, it was by that time by february uh, by by let's say 46 the beginning of 46 it was clear that sooner or later the british will go okay um why okay now after this mutiny why did it take till 47 august to get freedom <laughs> 
well you know these thing because uh, after all the uh, british had been in india for almost 200 years you know so it couldn't have happened overnight they were they they were they were institutions they were so been habitually the entire country was being governed by them it was not it was inconceivable that they would just pack their bags and leave you know and i neither did i think the in uh, the indian political leadership wanted the, them to do it that way they wanted a negotiated settlement uh, where the institutions also survive and they don't have to create all the institutions uh, anew so yes it was there was a fair amount of indication in fact uh, it, we, I, i my thesis is that the mutiny this mutiny and the disturbance in the armed forces actually hastened it because on the very second day of the mutiny there was a debate in house of commons and house of lords where prime minister atlee uh, announced cabinet mission meaning a group of cabinet ministers who would go to to india to uh, start negotiating the transfer of power so yes it was uh, it was it, it couldn't have been done in a jiffy it, there was a whole lot of things to be handled before a f- complete freedom could be given Okay so because of this it seems like i guess leaders of both muslim league and congress get into a negotiation about this whole mutiny and the fate of the ratings and what is the negotiation well first thing the negotiation with the british was an ongoing process for for a very long time mm-hmm. when when the negotiation broke there the a new movement began Uh, and then you know this this was a ongoing process in any case but as far as negotiations with the ratings was concerned um uh, sardar patel who was at the top of congress at the time actually uh, called the president of the devil strike committee and and a few others and explained to them that look you know you cannot fight the might of the uh, of the empire <laughs> and uh, and persuaded them to surrender there was a complete disagreement within the ratings but so this some felt that look we are trained to fight with guns and we are not trained to fight with a spinning wheel so mm-hmm. uh, you know we should not give up we should uh, we any any case when a, when a battle begins we know that not all of us will survive so let's just just go ahead with it there was the other side which persuaded these these hot-headed people and said that look there it's no point go you know we will not achieve anything because the politicians are not on our side mm. they were and 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 therefore in the end uh, I, uh, they they debated all night uh, at just minutes before the deadline at 6:15 in the morning was the deadline just minutes before the deadline they wrote the surrender document and handed it over to the British authorities. So that is how it all happened. Yes, you see, the, the six six fifteen a.m. was the deadline given to them to surrender. The all night these ratings debated, disagreed. They uh, in the end they they decided that yes, this the surrender was the best way forward. So they uh, just minutes before six fifteen they uh, wrote the surrender document and gave it to the British authorities. Oh wow. And you said that even after independence they were betrayed by both Indian and Pakistan authorities in that they weren't freed. Yes, because at the time when they were being persuaded to to surrender, 
they were told that none of them will be victimized and but, but uh, this was a promise that they were not capable of keeping because they were not in power but they they made this probably they they made them surrender in uh, giving them the promise that none of them would be victimized but barely 72 hours within 72 hours of the surrender at least 500 of the so called ring leaders were were arrested put into a into what looked like a concentration camp and and just incarcerated i mean they just were arrested and and uh, were put behind these concentration camps let me also say that by that uh, even after independence when india became independent and pakistan became independent the they were told by the new regime the the indian independent government that as a policy they have decided that those who had rebelled uh, and mutinied will not be taken back in, into the force and those who were dismissed with disgrace will not even be considered for any civilian uh, jobs mm. so this was i think a betrayal of some sort wow and it maybe they were afraid <laughs> of these people um i have a question i kind of am looking at, i've been looking at different independence movements i've been looking at india then i looked at vietnam china and did india get full independence or were there like some sort of terms and conditions or some kind of stay behind that the british left over to keep their influence in your opinion well there was there, there's no doubt that there was influence i mean till 1958 we had four subsequent chief of the navy were britishers so mm. uh, that that i cite as another reason why the mutineers were not taken back but yes in, in it was it was a uh, in all sorts of departments there were there were britishers the the transfer of power didn't happen overnight it took some time and and i think rightly so because i think india needed those that kind of expertise and so yes uh, it took there there was a great amount of influence in the early years uh, a great amount of british influence in the early years okay so in okay when i'm looking at the evolution of india from say oh. 1948 to now compare it with let's say uh, vietnam vietnam does not have any illiterate people india on the other hand does and we have a lot more people in absolute poverty and there's just less development in general what is the cause of that you see the biggest cause of for for once i would not agree uh, you know the situation 50 or 70 years ago was different than what it is today there are uh, uh, i know, mean it is different uh, but not as rapid i guess No, yes i mean this is because of the huge amount of the the, pop, the population we had it is a it, you know it's it now we are uh, we know what we call 140 crores which is mm-hmm. uh, i don't know how much it translates it's into billion it's over yeah. a billion yeah and uh, i think that was the the the, the one of the main reason that why we could not grow as fast as as we could, we should have Uh, now you know there are many things looking back at the 75 years you can you can say many things you know and you can analyze things differently but part of that was the need of the time we did brilliantly with the formation of our, of of our constituent assembly and 
and yes. framing of the constitution, which was unprecedented in anywhere in the world. That is uh, true. Uh, there was the, the institution building was was phenomenal in the beginning. Yet there was a lot of poverty because the money was all sucked up by the British. I mean, they took away most of the wealth of the country. Yeah. yeah so uh, yes, we were we were poor, but because of the uh, the large population and and the state that we we inherited from British, it was not easy to transform the country overnight. There have been Uh, patches of years when we have done tremendous growth, and there have oh, been yeah. other times when, when there have been other times when when we, we deteriorated. So yes, I would, and you know, if you talk of Singapore or Vietnam or or smaller countries, you know, it's 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 like a state in a. Not even a, it's it's like a district in in India. No, no, I agree with you on that. I was just wondering um, if there was like a like I was trying to see if there were terms and conditions on the British independence because I was kind of thinking that the Bretton Woods Conference came and India was never part of the Bretton Woods like when they decided on the IMF and the World Bank and things like that. So I was just wondering, like, was Right from the beginning, we we went for we didn't go for the capitalist the system of economy. We uh, it was a uh, what we what we call mixed economy is what we took, but it was left of the center because that's what the political leaders felt that that to to eradicate poverty quickly we we needed to look after those people first, and uh, they were capitalists. They they were. A huge amount of it. In, I mean, uh, not huge amount, but there were very successful industrialists of the time who had benefited from wars and British and the new regime, uh, the independent regime. But there was large, large number of population which which was much below poverty line, and they had to be looked after first. And so, therefore, it took longer to to come to what we are today. But uh, yes, uh, I suppose, and and. Uh, uh, IMF is not exactly a leftist organization. No, no, it's a horrible. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, because India. St- I was wondering. I was all I was wondering is what was the British? I guess stay behind. The British don't always just grant independence. They try to kind of keep influence over the countries. And so I was just looking, thinking about what kind of influence. I think at the time, British did not have enough resources themselves ah. to tap on India. You know. Or to 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 uh, so uh, I I don't think that happened at the time. Yes, we they 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 gave us administrative support at times, but uh, and also I uh, I must confess that I haven't studied that part that no that minutely to to really answer your question convincingly. But yes, the we all know that the that the British economy was in in complete doldrum. You know, at the time when they gave independence to India. Ah, okay, that makes sense because with Kenya, they left behind much more control, which happened twenty years later. So that makes complete sense. What are I just curious? Um, you also wrote an illustrated biography of Gandhi G. Yes, um, and it was amazing. Um, so what's on your plate next? What are the? Do you have any projects that you are thinking about working on next? Well, I've been, I've been, I've been, I mean, it, it will be something set in history, but I've been toying with a couple of ideas, and I don't know which one will uh, will take uh, fruition. But uh, let's say uh, there's one about uh, 
about um, you know how uh, the assets and liabilities were divided between um, India and Pakistan. Mm. Where, where, you know the the ships, the air, air aircrafts, the animals, even the pencils were were oh were divided. And there are some very in- interesting details of uh, you know how it all happened within you know three or four months. And there was a uh, you know several commissions in every department. So I'm either that, and they were also tying with uh, with that idea um, you know, to do to uh, do a fiction based on India's participation in World War One. You know, especially in the Western Front. In uh, what is the Western Front? <laughs> Western Front is the Belgium, Holland. Oh, okay. Yes, that's, that's where, uh, you know, the, in the whole lot of Indian soldiers were sent there. And there are some very interesting stories uh, and, they, and the stories of bravery and poignancy and how they, they mixed with the, uh, with the Dutch and the Flemish population there, etc. So they, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm reading both these things. Something will emerge. <laughs> okay, because um, this book was phenomenal. In it, it, is is it available in the U.S.? Um, I kind of had to buy it from Kitab.in. <laughs> I, I just uh, um, somewhere I don't. I think you know the there's no U.S. edition of this book, but I think it's the BarnesandNoble.com had it, and okay. it's uh, uh, a Kindle edition is available worldwide. I'm not sure whether the physical copies are available, but. Do try Barnes and Noble and okay. uh, com, and they might have copies. I got it uh, from. I, um, I, I, I got it shipped from India when I bought the book. <laughs> okay, uh, but, but Kindle edition is available uh, all over. Okay, and what about your first book? Um, or sorry, your other book, uh, the illustrated biography of Gandhi. Is it available? Uh, yes, that was available. It was published by. Uh, a company that belonged to Hachette Group. Uh, it was uh, the company was called Black Dog and Leventhal, which was owned by Hachette. They had published the U.S. edition of the book. I don't know if it's still available or or it's uh, out of, out of stock. I I'm not sure, but they had printed a large edition of my Gandhi book. Okay, well, we'll put a link to it, and maybe if enough people order it, they might reprint it. <laughs> yes, um, of course. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. And it was an honor reading your book. It was, it's about five, no, not quite 500 pages, but it was, I, I couldn't pull myself away from it because of how riveting it is and how, like you talk about thousands of different issues here that uh, I guess that, that people should check out like that we couldn't even cover in a short podcast. So um, do you have any other comments? Thank you very much for all the, you know, your very gratifying comments. Um, uh, I, I basically did this book to uh, to the best of my ability, and I did, did, didn't know. I mean, I, uh, it was the, the, the whole uh, the compliments that come to me is quite unexpected, uh, truly speaking. But yes, as I said, it's very gratifying to hear that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it encourages me to, to do more. You have a website where people can find learn more about you, or, sh- well, should or should be, I, never, I, I really never bothered by. But I'm sure if you look at uh, if you Google my name, there'll be quite a lot of uh, information that is available. Okay, um, I've seen some editorials, and I'll link to your Twitter then. 
Yes. Well, I'm not so active on Twitter, but uh, yes, I am, but not not to that extent. Uh, but you will on on if you Google the name, I'm sure you'll find a whole lot of my writings. In fact, I I really haven't bothered to put a blog or anything or 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 or, or put everything together. Perhaps one day I should do it. But I rather do another book than to put together. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll put it together in the video description in, in the description box. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Mm. And thank you for joining us, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Music for this show is done by Rectech. You can find him on SoundCloud and on Spotify. W R E C K T E C H. And thank you for listening to our show. <laughs>